Well, good morning, church. How are we doing? It is my privilege this morning to introduce to you someone that many of us already know, and that's Daniel Sick. Daniel is our new faith formation pastor here at Mannheim BIC. So several months ago, I had asked Daniel if he would be willing to speak this morning and and lead us out of God's word, and he had said yes, and we had no idea that that would coincide with the very same week that Daniel came on staff with us. So that worked out well. Daniel and his family uh, returned from being missionaries in South America. You guys came back to the States in April? In stages. In stages. <laughs> in stages. And uh, Daniel brings a, a passion to see people grow in their pursuit of Jesus, um, equipping leaders, and also brings, having been a missionary in South America, a missional perspective to help us find even more ways to, to rock our community and beyond for Christ. And so, again, it is a, it is a great privilege for, for me to, to be able to, to um, say welcome to Daniel as a member of our staff and excited as he leads us um, out of God's word this morning. So let me pray for you, and I'll let you get started, Daniel. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as always, we come to this time as we look to your word, to your words of life, and we come with, with expectancy to hear you speak to us, and we'd ask that, that, that you would move powerfully among us, that you would move powerfully through Daniel, and that you would allow us to surrender to what we see coming out of your word. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. It feels good to say this and be part of this church family, to be part of this great church that i know now 20 years. 20 years ago, I came here the first time, um, not as a missionary, not even as a pastor. I was still in seminary, but I got to experience this church 20 years ago, never thinking and imagining that I would one day work as a pastor here in this great church. So it's exciting to me to be here and be part of this church, and it's a privilege um, to be um, sharing the Word of God with you this morning. Um, as Brian said, it's, it's uh, kind of crazy this week. Some people have said already, first week on staff, and they have to be preaching right away. <laughs> I love preaching, and I love this text that we have today, the topic that we have today. And um, I want to connect with what we had yesterday or last Sunday with what uh, Dustin had preached about. Because those two Psalms, Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, which we're talking about today, are intertwined. They are connected. They talk basically about the same situation, um, and they are from the same author, King David. We have King David there, and we want to look at this today a little bit. And I want to take you along. We will not have a scripture reading where we read the whole text. I will go through you, uh, through this text with you. Um, and I, you have the whole text here uh, in your bulletin. So every once in a while, I will refer to that. 
um, as you realized already, I will make mistakes. And I will switch up words maybe. I am a German. I'm a German shepherd. So if I bark at you, then that might be the case because I just still try to get into this uh, English language that I love, but I'm still kind of struggling with. Well, if we look at this text, or if we look also, I don't know how it was with you last week when you left the church. I really liked the way Dustin prepared and, and took us into this topic of sin. But I have to tell you also that I kind of felt heavy. My heart felt heavy when I left. Dustin shared with us the seriousness of David's sin that he had committed. He pointed out to us that we are sinners. And at least for me, I left this church being reminded of my own sinfulness. It was not that Dustin preached a wrong sermon or made it heavy for me to understand. It was my sin that made me feel heavy in my heart because of that sin. And it is ever present in us. We are sinners just like David. We are God followers, of course, just like David. We can't say that David was a Christian because Christ came after David. But he was a God follower. He followed God's footsteps, and he had been many times in connection with God. He wrote many psalms, many songs, and we can see many times that God was part of his life. There is proof of God's presence in David's life. But he, as a God follower, also let sin get a hold of him. He committed adultery, and then he committed murder. And I ask myself sometimes, how in the world did David pull this off? I mean, get into this situation a little bit. The Bible tells us just that David saw Bathsheba, called her over, and they had a sexual relationship. Now, how does that work? You know, you, you don't just go and look and, oh, she's nice, let's call her over, and then they just jump into bed and enjoy their time together. What, 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 was, what went on there? Was there maybe some flirting going on already before that? David, for sure, didn't just get up in the morning and say, hey, how about committing adultery this morning for a change? There must have been something already going on in David's life, in David's thought life, and maybe even in Bathsheba, maybe there was even some flirting going on, and now that Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was gone, he could play with that a little bit more. But at the same time, how is it that she just comes over, jumps into bed with him, she gets pregnant, is it maybe that David was this powerful person that no one could say no? Well, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what the background is. The Bible doesn't tell us if there was some flirting going on or if David was just a power player that no one could say no to. What we do know is that they both committed adultery. And I'm 100% sure that there was something before that. It was not just this one morning waking up, seeing her, and then having a relationship with her. When we look at James 1, verses 14 and 15, we can see 
each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. We see here this phrase, we are dragged away by our own evil desires. David was being dragged away by his own evil desires into committing adultery with Bathsheba. Desire gave birth to sin, and this gave birth to death. Sin gives birth to death. If we let it go, if we don't address it right away, it gives birth to death. Now we have to remember that, God, uh, that David did this as a God follower. We are God followers, and we can fall into sin. I like when Paul says in Galatians 6.1, if a brother is surprised by sin. This is the, the uh, NIV version. If a brother is surprised by sin, Paul goes on to say, then address it, exhort him, bring him back so that he may be forgiven and be restored with God. But I like this first part of the, of the verse where it says, if a brother is surprised by sin, it can happen to all of us. It can happen to all of us that we fall into sin, that we are enticed, that we are dragged away from God's way. Why? Because Satan wants it. Satan wants us to fall into sin. Satan wants us to be destroyed. Now, it is not that once we sin, we will lose the privilege of entering the kingdom of heaven. This is not the case. We know that we are saved by grace through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for our sins. But if Satan finishes with his plan and we commit sin, then he has won the battle of making us infruitful. Now imagine if I, as a faith formation pastor of this church, would commit adultery. Would you then, in the following days and weeks, listen to me? Would you hear to my preaching? Probably everyone would say, get him out of here. If Satan manages to make us fall into sin, to sin, if he is successful in that, then he makes us unfruitful. And that's his goal. It's his goal to make us unfruitful. Now we might say, well, I have never killed anyone. I don't know about you, but I can say I've never killed anyone except a fly or mosquito or some snakes that we had. <laughs> I have not committed adultery, but I have to say I have committed sin. If we look at, at Matthew 5, 21 and 22, we can see that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable of judgment. Let's pause here for a second. Who of you was never angry with a brother or sister? Oops. No? Whoever insults a brother will be liable of counsel, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable of the hell of fire. 
Jesus is very strict here. And in Matthew 5, he said, 5.27, he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The thing is, I've never committed adultery and I'm not planning to. But I have to confess, confess that I have looked at a woman lustfully. The thing is, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Where's your heart? What is your heart doing? What is your mind doing? What, what is going on in your mind? I have one person in particular that comes to my mind when I think of sin in my life. There were some disagreements at the beginning. There was some disagreement that turned into a little bit harsh talk. There were some things that weren't right. That turned into discord. That turned into strife. And it wasn't long before I realized I was bitter with that person. I knew I had to forgive that person what he had done to me. I had to forgive him. And holy as I am, I prayed the prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross, forgive him because he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> it was not until I realized or until I talked with my counselor that I had committed just as much sin as he did. I had slipped into hating him. I hated him. I have to confess, I hated him. Galatians 5, Paul says to us, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Debauchery would, would be, for example, excessive com, uh, consumption. Idolatry and witchcraft. If we pause here for a second, we can say, I'm not part of that, right? But then Paul goes on. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, faction, uh, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I will warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you look into your bulletin to the psalm that we're talking about today... In verse 5, is it verse, verse 5? No, verse 3, sorry. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. I felt heavy. I felt sick. I was hating that person. I was doing my work half-heartedly. I didn't want to do it for him. I didn't want to do it for anyone. I didn't feel well. At some points, I wanted to throw in the towel and say, this is it, I'm leaving the mission field. I, I'm done. I'm, I don't want this anymore. Pain took over. Hatred took over. And I was miserable. And I nourished this thought. I knew I had to forgive that person, but I nourished it. And I have to confess at certain points, I thought, if something would happen to that person, actually, I wouldn't mind. I never thought about killing that person. A Christian doesn't do that. But I wouldn't mind if something would happen. I was living in sin. 
and I was living exactly what I told people in marriage counseling. When there is hatred between the couples, husband and wife, many times I say hatred is the poison that I take desiring for the other person to die. Are you guilty of that? Maybe you say, I don't hate her, I don't hate him, but I could punch her in the face. You know? We, we are guilty of that, right? Husband, wife, brother, sister, parents, children. This morning, my boys were sitting right here. And when I mentioned that, both of them were like this. <laughs> yeah, we are guilty of that. We, we don't want to kill each other, but we do have sometimes our problems with the other person. Well, David realizes that. And he continues saying in the next verse, for days and night, or in the, in, he says in verse 4, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. And then verse 5 he says, I acknowledge my sins to you, and I did not cover my iniquities. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave me the iniquities of my sins. There are two things that are important for us to know when it comes to sin. The first thing is we need to acknowledge it. We need to say, this is sin. When we look at Alcoholics Anonymous or Celebrate Recovery, two programs that work with people that have addictions to alcohol, drugs, sex, or whatever it is, um, then we can see that within their first two, three steps, they have this one part where it says, I need to acknowledge the sin for what it is. It is sin. Alcoholics Anonymous don't call it quite that harsh, but they say this is the point of the problem. This is what I can't handle. This is my problem. And then they go on and saying, okay, now I need this external, external force, which is God, to help me go through it, and I need to do certain steps to ha handle it. Celebrate Recovery goes on to say, once a person has gone through that program, they finally end, or they eventually end up saying, I have this and this problem, and I struggle with this and this sin or temptation. And I like that part because we need to know what is our temptation, what is our point of weakness. We need to acknowledge it. We need to own it. We need to say or name the sin by its name and say, this is my problem. I am guilty of that. But that's not the only point. The next point is then confessing it. Many times when we are with brothers or sisters or spouses or something like that, I'm sorry. You, you know that? I'm sorry. Not just saying, I'm sorry. David confesses his sin to God, first and foremost. He says, I have sinned against the Lord, 2 Samuel 12, 13. When he's confronted by Nathan, he doesn't say, I'm sorry that that happened. He says, I have confessed, uh, I've sinned against the Lord. In the Old Testament also, when uh, Joseph is confronted with Potiphar's wife, 
She wanted to drag him into bed and sleep with him. He says, first and foremost, how can I commit a sin against the Lord of high and against Potiphar, your husband? First and foremost, Joseph and David recognized this would be sin or this was sin towards God. It was a breach of trust to God. And David wants to address it and wants to say, listen, I confess it. I ask you your forgiveness. I'm guilty of that. Now, let's take a step back. Before we continue and see what God does with that sin, let's take a step back and just see what would have happened if David would have stopped before. Dustin mentioned one quote last time from C.S. Lewis. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. What if David would have confessed his sin five minutes into his sinful thoughts? We've heard the uh, James 1 version that it is this, this being dragged into the sinful thoughts and then it gives birth. What if David would have said five minutes into his sinful thought, well, I have a problem. I am maintaining this thought about this beautiful lady, my neighbor's wife, and I know I'm not supposed to do it. I need to go somewhere. Confessing sin is something very important and very specific to help us deal with the sin. Not just the sin committed, but also the sin about to commit. We're about to commit. We need to learn to confess our sins. We need to learn to commit our sinful thoughts even to God. Confess them. And if it's a help, then maybe even share it with a friend, with a pastor, someone we trust, and someone who prays with me, exhorts me, and asks me every once in a while, so how are you doing with your sin? How are you doing with your temptation there? We need to ask God to help us. In verse 10, here in our text, we say, Many are the sorrows of the wicked. There's so many people that are struggling. There's many sorrows, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. If we take it a little bit back to um, another verse, we can see in verse 8 that God all of a sudden speaks in this text. And he says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eyes upon you. It's the only verse where God actually speaks in the, within this psalm. But what is he saying? God is saying, I want to instruct you. I want to teach you how to do it right. I want you to live right. I want you to live a good life. This is why we come to church. This is why we go to the Bible study. This is why we read the scripture. This is why we read the Bible verse in the morning, maybe at nighttime. If you can't do it in the morning, then do it at nighttime. Many times I was asked, so what's your first thing in the morning that you do? I tell you right away, it's not reading the Bible. First thing is drink a coffee so that I can read the Bible. <laughs> but I read the Bible. I want to nourish my thoughts with God's thoughts so that I know what his plans are for us. And I think we should do that. God wants to instruct us that we don't fall into sin because there is so much pain once we fall into sin. There's our own pain. There's wanting to hide it and everything. And David says, don't do it. 
Listen to God. Look at verse 9, what it says there. Don't be like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and brittle, or it will not stay near you. David basically is saying, don't be a fool. Don't be dumb. Listen to God's instructions. Listen to what he says. There's benefit in it. There's profit in it. There's freedom in it. Listen to it. What if David would have confessed five minutes into his sinful thoughts, his sin, and God would have forgiven him right there and would have given him freedom? Because confessing our sinful thoughts, ask for deliverance from the sinful thoughts while you still can, while you are still strong enough to do it. Many times we don't have the strength anymore once we are in it too much, right? I don't know how, how about you when, you, when you're about to, to share some prayer requests, you know? Have you heard this person? Let's pray for him. He has done this and this. That's basically spiritual gossip. If it is not with the right motivation. There's many times the confusion. Is all that sharing prayer requests gossip? No, that's not, not, not what I'm implying. There's really earnest, I want to pray for this person and I want you to pray for that person too. But many times we use that excuse to spread gossip. What if we stop right there and say, uh, do I need to share this right now? What is my motivation in sharing this? And if it's not the right motivation, then don't share it. Don't share it. Go into it and confess it to God right away. Now, I want to go back to this one verse where David confesses his sin. Verse 5, I acknowledge my sins to you, and I did not cover up my iniquities. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquities of my sin. Just like that, the last phrase is, and you forgave me. When Nathan addresses David, he says to him, listen, you have sinned. And David recognized and I said, yes, I have sinned against the Lord. The next Bible verse, right there, without any further discussions, Nathan says to David, and the Lord also has put away your sin and you shall not die. Just like that, he forgives the sin. Just like that, God puts away sin. Now, I find it ironic that David tries to put it away, tries to hide it away, tries to make it go away, but it doesn't work, and God just takes it and puts it away. How does he do that? How does God just take the sin and put it away? I'm asked that many times. In Ecuador, when we worked in Ecuador, Catholicism, that the Catholic Church is huge. And the way of dealing with sin is going to church and going into this one small little room confessing my sins to the pastor or to the priest. And there, I just tell him, I have done this and this and this and this. And the priest says, well, for that, I think I will give you uh, 10 rosaries and two uh, Lord's prayers. The thing is, a rosary is not a small thing. It's not that you have this chain. You have to pray it. And I just read it one time to see what's in there. It takes about 20 minutes to read that thingy. You know, it's, it's work. 
it's work. Now, the interesting thing is that many of the Christians that came to my church said, I am so sick of these priests because I have seen one after another after another Catholic go in, go into the confession, come out and say, okay, now I'm clean, let's go to whatever, bar, brothel, whatever, and, and do whatever they do. Why? Because they can always come back and confess their sin, and then they just have to do their rosaries and their uh, Lord's prayers, and that's it. Even priests live like that in Ecuador. Sad to say that even in, in the States we have, or in, within the evangelical church, we have also pr pastors that think, yeah, I can confess it, and, and yeah, God forgives it, and then I can just go, go on sinning. But the thing is that uh, this is not how it works. When Jesus, when, when David confesses his sin, God forgives it. On what basis? Why does he forgive it? Why can he forgive it? Romans 3.23, last week we heard, says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The nice thing is that this same Bible verse continues with saying, The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have the gift of God, the forgiveness we have freedom from sin, from the burden of sin through Jesus Christ. I want to go back to Romans 3.23 and read the whole text around it. Because many times when we learn about the sharing the gospel, I don't know if you've had or seen one of those bracelets where you share, yeah, we're sinners, but uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the the blood of Jesus washes us clean, and we, are, we can be clean. And so we confess our sins, and we believe in him, and then we will end up in heaven. Short version. It goes a little bit longer when you want to share with someone, but that's the short version of these bracelets. The thing is that this Bible verse that surrounds all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is actually within a text that is full of truth of God. It says here, The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ, to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, here we have it, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to, receive, to be received by faith. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your and my sin. Committed, or about to commit, and I'll, now I, I confess it. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all our sins. My favorite Bible verse is actually uh, Ephesians 3, verse 12, where it says, In Him, in Christ Jesus, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I love this verse. Because in the end, Paul is saying here, through Jesus Christ, I can come to God with a clear conscience. You know how it is when, as a little child, you have done something that you shouldn't have. And your parents kind of find out, and now they want to know the truth. You approach them right, like this, right? right? You know exactly that Gip slap is going to come. 
Now, those who know NCIS know what I'm talking about. You know exactly. Now, there's something that's going to come, and you're going to get this beating, or you're going to get this, this um, what, what is it, what's it called? Spanking. Thank you. Or whatever punishment you will receive. Or you get that speech from your dad, you know? Now, if we confess our sins to God, there's no coming to God like this, wanting to, to yeah, I know, um, what's it going to be? No, we can walk to God like this, head held up high, heart praising God because He forgives us. He says, don't worry about it. Christ paid for it on the cross. Don't worry about it. It's paid for. The wages of sin is death. Yes, that is still true. And I'm not going to take that away. I'm not changing that. The wages of sin is death. You deserve to die. And you deserve to come like that. But keep your head up because Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus did it already. And I was with children in Ecuador. Many times I used this example. I go into a store, buy a Coke, but I leave the Coke on the counter. I walk out, meet a little boy, and he says to me, I'm thirsty. I need a drink. I remember I bought this Coke, so I send him into the store. The boy goes into the store, grabs the Coke, wants to drink it, and the clerk says, no, wait a second, this is not yours. And the boy points out towards me and says he paid for it. Clerk looks out, sees me, I greet him, he greets me and says, yes, it's paid for. Don't worry, drink. We can live free from sin, lifted from this burden of sin, because Jesus Christ paid for it all. Again, this Bible verse, in Him, in Jesus Christ, through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. David experienced it. I experienced it. Confessing my sin to God and telling him, sorry, I did sin against you first and foremost and then against that person in my life, it lifted something. I remember the time when I talked to God about that and I brought it to God and told him, listen, I have sinned. Please forgive me. The very next Sunday, I went to church as usual. A pastor does that every once in a while. And it was church in Germany, friend. And I did not know that they have the Lord's Supper. And the guy who gave me the cup, he said, your sins are washed away. Not knowing what I had gone through all these months and years. Your sins are washed away. This, for him, it was probably a phrase that he says to everyone who he gives the cup. To me, it was special. My sins are washed away. I walked away washed clean. Many times when I share the Lord's Supper, I do it this way that I say, you know, when you take the bread, it's like stick, get stuck here, you know. And then you take that cup that re represents the blood of Jesus and you swallow and it washes away what's stuck here. Jesus' blood washes away our sins. When you ask an every Ecuadorian, what is grace? The Ecuadorian usually says it is undeserved love. I love that. Undeserved love. 
John Newton, he was a slave ship captain. And when he was convicted of his sin, being there, transporting slaves from one country to another country, bringing them every once in a while, not even alive to that other country. Every once in a while, they would just flush him out into the ocean. And there were many, many, many people that died under his watch. When he became a Christian, he wrote this famous song that we also sung, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Now, he didn't write that part, my chains are gone. That's a modern version, but that's basically what he felt. My chains are gone. I've been set free. And this is what we can live with. This is why David, here in this psalm, starts, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. And he finishes the psalm with, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy with upright heart. This is the reason why we live out of that grace. This is the reason why we love God. This is the reason why he loves us. This is the reason why I went to the mission field to share the gospel. And this is the reason why I'm here in this church. I love to train and develop new leaders. I love to do faith faith formation ministry. But the main reason why we are here is to live out out of that grace ourselves because we just as much as you need God's forgiveness and his grace and his love and share this grace and this love with you and with everyone in Mannheim and surroundings. Amen? Amen. Amen. May God bless you.